Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcast, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. So George, tell me, you spent a lot of your career in traditional newspapers, traditional media, depressor in Austria. What did that teach you about storytelling, media, podcast? What did you learn from that, that most people coming into the podcast space don't yet know? First of all, that the first thing that I learned transitioning from this print and, and more like a written news segment into audio is that audio works quite differently. Some parts are similar, but it needs much more of the classic storytelling components that we know when, when you're into storytelling, then you have your classic components, you know, the protagonist, there's conflict and there's resolve and, and all that, that kind of stuff. The stuff you normally, like you wouldn't have in a, in a newspaper article, or you would have that naturally, you know, but just by, <laughs> by the nature of the news or what the news is about. But I think, and that's interesting for journalists to learn now that, that audio works different and a newspaper interview it works quite different than a good podcast interview. Is it different mindset or just different logistics? It's different in a way that it's consumed mostly. So when you go to conduct an interview for the newspaper, I'm just referring newspaper and that goes for the online, the web version as well, uh, naturally. But if you conduct an interview um, for the newspaper, then, you know, your people are going to be reading it. So it's more linear. You know, people know they're, they're not on the record person, like they're on the record, but not on the audio record. And so interviews, they can be rewritten. They can, you know, you can reverse the order and, and you can kind of like really distill them down. And it's really about how we read differently, how we perceive or process stories or information works differently when we read as compared to audio. And so when you do an interview for audio, for radio, podcast, whatever, I think there's much more that goes into, into the prep already. I mean, you have, I mean, certainly you have to go be a good interviewer. You have to get in, get a report from the person and, and try to get the information that you want or, or want to get the person to say what you wanted to say. But there's much more you already have to think in those segments where you're like, okay, we're going to need a setup of the story. So we're going to need, okay, what happened here? And why are we talking about this? And how did it come to this? And how did it change? And so you kind of have to like, when you lay out your interview questions, you already have to think about that. So that is very different, I think. What we can learn from the daily news business is that it is about relevance. It's about thinking what is relevant to my audience, be it on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, and stick to a program. But it's not so much about what, what you find interesting, but really thinking about, okay, what is relevant on that day for my audience? You got to have a rather clear vision of what your audience is. I think that's one thing that we can learn from traditional media. I mean, they know New York Times has a different audience than, let's say, the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times. I don't know the newspapers in, in Singapore that well, but if there are still any left. So they know their audience and, and so that, that's how they think every day, okay, what is relevant 
to my audience? And what's the best way to tell that? And audio is a great addition to that, I think. When you say know their audience, do they have in their mind something as simple as an avatar of the reader? Yeah. Here's the profile. Or do they have more advanced knowledge of the audience, like data and so on? Is it really just sort of more qualitative? Obviously, data is getting better. And so some are, it wasn't always the case. I mean, it took the newspaper business quite a while to get on that train of big data and or even small data for that matter. But they do have a, a clear vision what their audience is. I think where they're probably struggling a little more is when you go, like, how do you go about kind of like going off the rails a little bit and, you know, or off the beaten track and try to maybe explore new audiences that new generations maybe that have a different set of values, not necessarily the same, but also not necessarily totally different. So how do you go about that and and, and how it's a constant repackaging when you have, you have your newspaper, you have your mobile app, you have your desktop version, and then you have supplements like magazines, and then you have podcasts. So it's a challenge, but at the same time, it, it really gives you the chance to repackage your product. And that's news is a product after all, and it has to make profits of some sort to, to be viable. And so I think podcast is a great way to, or audio for that matter, is a great way to, to repackage your product to newer, younger generations that might also think differently of you than, than you think. And so I think they have classic avatars, I think. I mean, we all do. It's the classic profiling where you say, okay, describe the reader of the Financial Times and, you know, if we would be sitting in a fancy cafe and you know, whatever. So I think there's that, but that is getting much clearer. If you were advising a newspaper, for example, who was looking at podcasts, what would then be firstly the business case for them? Is it more advertising real estate for them or is it, does it go beyond that? And also then the second piece is if they want to create audio content, what do they do? Do they simply repurpose the news and have somebody read it? Or do they sort of go behind the scenes and do the backstories? The first bit about the business case, what is the business case for a newspaper getting into podcasts? Well, it's clearly advertising. So advertising slash sponsored or branded podcasts, I would say, which in markets like Austria that are rather small, is probably the more interesting one than the advertising that comes from ad insertion and, and programmatic, although that's happening and it's, it's starting here slowly. But I think the chance for uh, media entities is to strengthen and, and tighten their relationship with the advertiser because we had times they kind of gave that away to the media agencies. And so they kind of, they let go of their biggest handler leverage. And that is the relationship with the advertiser, which I think is very, very important on an emotional level. You know, it's, it's, of course, it's, it's about numbers and reach and everything, target groups and whatnot. But at the end of the day, especially in, in times of crisis or whatever, that direct relationship with the advertiser is extremely critical. I think they're getting that back a little with that. And yes, I mean, you could argue, you know, on a, on a business case level, any, anything a medium does is, you know, in the end, real estate for advertising. But first and foremost, 
it has to be something that they care about, that they think that their audience cares about, and it has to be solid and good. So we have yet to see. I mean, I've worked on a branded podcast that was branded by an international consulting agency, and it was good. I mean, it was very storytelling style and, and quite a big production. And I think they were very happy with it. And they were also very cool about it because they didn't ask for too many mentioning or sound logos or whatever. So, and I, I think that's the way to go because especially in audio, if you're too much in your face, then I think it, it fires back on the advertiser. But going back to the media entity, I think it's strengthening relationships in both ways to the audience and to the advertiser. And as to the audience, we know audio is probably one of the strongest relationships that you can have because when do you have the chance to get 20, 30, 40 minutes a day or a week or whatever it is? with your audience and they listen and they totally immerse themselves in your content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the emotional part is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked a lot about this in Age of Audio, that audio authenticity, that sort of feeling, the emotional connection as well, which is really in a world of advertising where it's very much being gamed. Yeah. Clicks that to create some sort of emotional connection, it's almost kind of like going back to old-fashioned journalism and old-fashioned media where people felt some kind of strong connection with titles and magazines and publications, right? Yeah. Which has gone, really, I think, in more recent years. Maybe for older generations, but younger generations, absolutely not. You know, they, don't get their, they don't get their news from newspapers, right? It's from Reddit or YouTube, right? That's where it comes from. So that is a strong case for going into audio. And as to how I think it's, you got to be on brand, be true to your values. Every media entity has that fashion, lifestyle, journalistic entity and our media outlet. And so what I like to do also with other corporate clients is really kind of hearkening back to brand strategy work that I've done before my life in audio where you kind of, you know, you try to get to the core of, of what your brand core is and try to define certain parts around it. That is a, a set of brand core values. And I apply the same method to when trying to conceptualize a podcast. I was like, okay, who are you? What is your role here? And what are we trying to tell? Yeah. I'm really fascinated by this idea of firstly on brand and, and also the emotional part for a newspaper. And I'm sure you've had this conversation before is, okay, why audio and not video? Because it seems like the video is the most obvious channel to go down, isn't it? Because it's immediately visible, print is visible. Why should we consider audio over video, especially when video is a lot more well-known, you've got distribution platforms like YouTube, obviously, and it's easier to consume in many aspects. What is the pitch for a newspaper like to get on audio and not video? Because there's always that guy in the team that says, oh, we need to be on video. How do we silence that dude? Don't be that guy. There, he's that guy. I want to give him the book. Read this. <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting though, but I love the title that he chose, Age of Audio. Because we're now transitioning from the age of screen to the age of audio. And I think the age of screen, which you know lasted about 
what, 15 years, maybe 10 on its hiatus. It's really a misunderstanding in mankind, in the human history, you know, if you look at it, as much as I love watching a good show, whatever. But we as, as a race, historically, we've been listening a long time before we started reading or watching. Yeah. You know? Even when we are born, right? Exactly, yeah. And so I think it's so inane to our nature to listen. It, I think, you know, we've lost it for a while. And when I say it's a misunderstanding, just people looking down onto a little box and watch something, I think is a misunderstanding of the the human race. So and why not go video for news? Well, first of all, when we talk about video, we're going to talk about YouTube, right? Yeah. Or we talk about the act of watching something. So when we talk about the act of watching something, and there's lots of news on there still TV. I mean, the public TV, as much as public radio, still gets enormous, ridiculous numbers and reach, at least here. Also, even private stations, they've all become very newsy. And so there's lots going on in that. And I think it, it is a very specific genre that takes a certain set of skills that as does audio, but I think goes even beyond that. What we've seen here, interestingly, isn't enough. Is, so I think for the video game is just lost because I don't know what crazy thing you got to do to get right. noticed on YouTube right now. So I think it's just too late for that. I mean, they probably should have gone on that train 10, 15 years ago. And I remember when I, I was still working in that in that industry, it was a constant discussion and I was for it, but at the same time, it was like, it was impossible to find it, you know, to fund. Because it was already at a time, you know, remember 2008, the newspaper business had already been in a crisis for a couple of years, but it was still going strong. But then the financial crisis hit and as crises do, much like this one, it's just accelerate certain developments that have been coming. And so they were already like financially, a lot of them were already with their back against the wall. And that's usually a bad time to invest into. I mean, it would be a good time, but companies don't have the, the money then to invest, which is probably takes years and millions to invest to make this profitable. You know, let's be honest. And like you said, when they do it, and if you do it half-heartedly, you can't get really wrong. So I think there's so much more that goes into what makes good video. It's a lot harder as well, video production. I think so, yeah. And less agile. My audio is becoming so big because, yeah, of course, everybody can do it, but you still got to do it well. But if you know how to do it, then it's easier to set up. That I do think. And so the funny thing is what we've seen here, like nobody's really gone down the video route here in the news business. But some have gone down to TV, like online TV, news TV, and they're all really, they're horrible, just unwatchable. So I don't know. I don't even know why they do it, you know, but it's easy. I think that's the reason why they do it. And it's obvious. It's the lower risk. The TV? Yeah, TV. It's easy to make the decision right. about doing video, uh, whether doing it is easier is a different matter. But it's easier to say, let's do video because it requires less imagination, really, and less thought. Yet, you know, if you think about it, I mean, kids produce YouTube videos all the time, right? And without much knowledge. And yet some of them are really good. 
and your point about that window's closed, doesn't it? That to become popular on YouTube, you're now competing against kids. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a losing game because they are in their bedrooms and they've got hours to throw at this stuff and they can get millions of subscribers. And that's tough, right? And they have the audience. And it's a different thing if some YouTuber does something that he or she is passionate about in his bedroom and puts out a lot of content. I mean, like you said, it's the amount of content those kids put out is insane. And so just imagine how would that go about in, in the corporate world? You know, there would be a board meeting or a meeting of editors or managers that say, okay, now we need a YouTube thing, you know? And that who's going to do it? Yeah, well, he, he's probably good in front of the camera. So, you know, and then that's usually how it works. It's, it's not, I mean, in a perfect world, you would say, okay, let's gather a team. Let's recruit the people from TV production of the best host and make something really solid. But that's usually not how it works. How it works is, okay, who wants to volunteer? Who wants to do extra work for no extra money? The social media guy. Yeah. Or the intern, I'll do it. Yeah, and then he would do something. Yeah, he's probably passionate about because you know journalists and you know people in general are passionate about what they do. But you know, it would be a product, so it wouldn't really feel maybe that real. And then the next question is, who do you cater to? You know, I mean, who do you make it for in YouTube? When we talk about newspapers, they tend to have older audiences they're not really on youtube you know not to get the news i think so Mm. yeah it's a really interesting area that is news getting into audio it's a good fit and it certainly matches the model of how they produce content right and the challenge is just going to be like how do they do it properly you know how do they get the right people the real beauty of audio and conversations really is that you can't put a 13 year old kid on it and get results because they don't have any experience. They don't have the depth of connection with people yet. They don't have that life experience. And so that's why, especially when you're sort of pitching the idea of audio to brands and you're pitching it to people of an age, right? Who now are thinking, okay, like if you go to YouTube you're going to get your ass handed to you by a 13-year-old kid, right? And you're like some guy who's got 20, 30 years experience. Yet, if you did audio, it's your domain, right? You have the upper hand because you have the experience. You can have a conversation and the kid can't. So I think, you know, that's, I'm not sure people get that so much, but when you explain it to them, they're like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. But like, they're just easily seduced by video and TikTok and whatever's next. That's the hard part, isn't it? It's the investing in the long term with audio. It really is a long-term game. It's not even a marathon. It's an Ironman and not a sprint. Ultra. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So, yeah. And that's why now we see a really spike in in interest in podcasts and, and lots of people want to do it now. But what I also notice is that the awareness of how much like the commitment, the long-term commitment, as you just said, is not there yet. And after the launch of the first episode of a monthly podcast, I say, okay, what are, what are the numbers? What are the numbers? And I'm like, yeah, 
I'm 22, but you know, it's actually normal. <laughs> yeah, man, that monthly episode, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I mean, I've got the data. I need to sort of verify, I do this off record, but I need to get a second run on the data to get the exact numbers. But we found that the average business, so in the business category, yeah. which is the meta category under which you've got, you know, like nonprofit news, entrepreneurship, and so on. The average publishing is 6.3 episodes a month. Wow. You know, you've got people like, yeah, I know Gary V is publishing 30 episodes a month, like every day, 30 minute episodes, 30 times a month. And then you've got corporate saying, let's do this once a month. That was like 2017, right? <laughs> yeah. like we've moved on. And it's, yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? But I think the problem now is corporates, they've, I found is that you, like you mentioned about the YouTube stuff, it's like the cadence is a real issue because they need to be doing minimum two episodes a month to stay in the game. And they can't be churning out one a month because they're just going to drop off like that. They get no organic traffic. This is what's happening now, right? Exactly. And it's so interesting because, you know, Marshall McLuhan famously said in the 60s, the medium is the message. Although originally he said the medium is a massage, but there was a misprint on the title of the book, which he liked. And it kind of is true too. But that phrase, you know, it still upholds because it is so much about frequency and quantity, even more probably than quality. I do think quality is important in the production, especially in the hosting and, and that kind of stuff. But I think the problem is, and that is to my dismay, to be honest, is it is very hard to compensate with quality. Like you said, I mean, Gary Vee does it every day. It's not really great. Not every day, hardly ever. <laughs> but personally, I'm not a fan, but I heard him saying once, and I think I really like that. He said, you know, marketers ruin everything. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of what, what do you see going on with Spotify and that whole programmatic ad insertion thing. I like it and it's great for advertisers. I'm not sure it's great for the whole space, but maybe that's for a different discussion. But it is interesting that the algorithms, they really dictate of what the medium must be. And it does not promote a, a monthly high quality production. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.